helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future. Schroders actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing, and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients. Hello, my name is Sean Schaefer, and welcome to the City World Wealth Manager podcast. With three separate COVID-19 vaccines announced in November, value stocks have experienced somewhat of a recovery after a particularly trying year. But what are the long-term prospects for value investing? Is a rotation away from growth, which has dominated the past decade, on the horizon? I spoke with Tom Beckett, Chief Investment Officer at Punter Southall Wealth, to get the perspective from a fund selector. If you want to keep up to date with our podcast, please click the follow button on Spotify. Can Value's decade of underperformance be reversed? Well, I think if it was ever going to, it should surely be now. You've got obvious indicators pointing towards significant extremes um, that could be reversed in financial markets as we sit here today. So the obvious one is the valuation gap now between the perceived growth sectors and perceived value sectors, which are extraordinarily wide by comparison to any realistic historical comparison. So I think that the valuation gap points towards um, a rotation back towards value at some point. In addition to that, many of the factors in the short term which have weighed against um, the value sectors, so falling interest rates, um, zero bond percent bond yields on most government bonds around the world. Um, you know, the uncertainty around the economic outlook for next year. Well, surely some of those factors are going from being negative headwinds for the value sectors to being positive tailwinds, which is why if the vaccine news isn't a positive trigger for the value parts of the market, then I don't think anything ever will be. So I think those two factors in the short term point towards the potential for an end to finally to the underperformance of value. Um, and I think the third point just goes down to positioning. And it's interesting, if you look at something like the um, treasure trove that is the Bank of America monthly fund manager survey, you can see that people are reporting that the most crowded trade that there is in markets right now is the darling of the growth sectors, the technology sector. Um, but at the same time, people are responding that they've never been more exposed to the technology sector than they are now. So you've got this extreme situation where, you know, valuations are pointing in one direction. The economic outlook is arguably now pointing in favour of a rotation towards value. And we know that people are extremely long the on vogue fashionable growth sectors such as technology. All of those should, all things being equal, point towards at least an end to the underperformance of the value sectors in markets. Sure. Um it, we've seen sort of some somewhat of a short term rotation to value that some of the value stocks have have done a bit better in the in the last few weeks. Um, but do you think it's going to be long term and what would be the drivers behind it being truly a long term rotation? Yeah, and, and let's just put that into context for a second. And, and, and I appreciate that um, this interview might go out slightly later than when I'm speaking today on the, the 17th of November. But if you put it into context this quarter to date, um, you have seen a marginal improvement in the performance of value over growth. So looking at the MSCI as a whole, I think it's probably 11% up in favour of value and only 6% up, only 6% up in favour of, of, of growth. But you put that into the year-to-date context, you're looking at a 26% positive performance from the growth sectors and a negative 5% performance from, from the value sectors. So an almost historically unprecedented 30% gap between 
um, between growth and value. Put it into context of this month, you've seen really a very strong month for all equity markets. But again, value up 14% and growth up 9%. So as you rightly point out, we have seen a short-term fillet in favour of value. But I think the week of the, the Pfizer vaccine announcement was very interesting as a um, um, you know as an example of what might well happen in markets going forward. We saw two days of utterly extraordinary outperformance from the value sectors before we saw some negative news around the COVID-19 infections in Europe and indeed in the US and the potential for further um, lockdowns um, in those respective economies. And that led to a rotation back towards growth. So my view on markets going forward would be a fat but flat outcome. So we see lots of volatility with headline indices not going very far, but I think that we will see a gradual rotation away from the expensive growth sectors and towards perceived cheaper value sectors. Now, you're saying a rotation away from growth, but but will that growth bubble burst at all? Obviously, we've seen so much money going into big tech over the past year and the past five years, really. Um, will those premiums start to fall away? Um, I think possibly, but we should also take into account that growth does not necessarily mean good and value does not mean bad. And I think, you know, within both of those different cohorts of growth and value sectors, there are obviously structural growth companies which are going to continue to do really well and other parts of the growth or value buckets, which probably are either in the case of value um, uh, companies likely to continue to structurally underperform and in the growth cohort they've just been lifted by a rising tide floats or boats rally in growth companies so i think that you will on balance see a uh, reduction in the premium that people are paying for growth and and an improvement in the valuations of the value sectors but i don't just necessarily think that you could probably just go out and sell growth and buy value and ride that on a wave of success i think you need to be much much more selective so if you um, lift the bonnet on the value sectors and look beneath it you know there are obviously some parts of the value um, um, uh, parts of the equity market which are structurally challenged i mean the environment for banks in all honesty is not going to be fantastic as we go forward in a low growth low interest rate um, low bond yield environment there are elements of the banking sector and specific companies that are cheap but do i think you're going to see a period of renaissance from the banking sector as a whole No, and I still think we're in an environment where, um, particularly under a Biden-led democratic administration, that we'll probably see further regulatory pressures put upon the banking sector, which means they probably can't make much money going forwards. Likewise, in the value sector, and I'm particularly positive on the energy sector at this point in time, because basically no one else is, uh, and we have seen a major rotation towards energy so far this month with the sector as a whole up 23%. I think that you um, could well see periods when the energy sector does fantastically well and has really good, strong bursts of outperformance. But are these companies structurally going to make significant returns on equity going forwards and significant profits? I think that also gets called into question. So but what I think about, it's far I mean, more. What about the concern about stranded assets with energy companies? Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely right. But I think that ultimately, um, if it becomes the case that public markets are unable to or public investors are unable to invest in um, energy because it's all about ESG these days, then I think there'll be private capital chasing these assets, um, which will take these companies private and make money from them there. Because there obviously is the case of, yes, stranded assets, but also stranded positive returns to make from some of these companies. And I think if the public markets aren't allowed or won't do that, then these companies will go private and realise some of that, um, that, that potential. 
Um, what about how quickly the vaccine is distributed? How much impact will that have on both growth period, um, premiums and the ability for value stocks to recover? Well, I, I think that there are a number of questions around the vaccines. You mentioned distribution as one of them. Logistics is obviously key to that as well. I think willingness to take a vaccine um, will also be uh, high up the list of whether or not we can get um, effective um, herd immunity from the vaccines relatively quickly. So, you know, the distribution logistics element of that is clearly going to be a problem. Certainly the news amount of the Moderna vaccine that only has to be held at 20 de- minus 20 degrees as opposed to, I think it was minus 80 degrees with the Pfizer vaccine it is a positive step in the right direction. But getting it up to scale to be able to distribute it um, effectively and efficiently is going to be called into question. And how long before we'll see real trust in the global economy. You know, if it's a case that you're seeing, um, you know, significant distribution of vaccines in the developed worlds in, in, and um, places like Japan, developed Western world and places like Japan, um, that would be one thing. But what about places like India or Africa or South America? You know, so I think there's going to be a lot of question marks over that as we head into next year. And I think the unbridled optimism that was seen on the early announcements of these was justifiable. But that tells you more about the positioning of markets, perhaps, than the likely success of vaccines in the short term. But all things being equal, these should be um, a um, an opportunity for the economy to recover next year. There's certainly question marks over that, but also I think over the willingness of people to take vaccines. And I think that's going to be one of the big question marks we head into next year. So very simple answer to your question. These should be positive factors, but there are certainly a number of questions that still need to be answered. Obviously, it's been a pretty miserable time if you are a value investor um, um, over the last decade, really. But have there been any pockets of value that have performed well this year? Um, there have been few and far between, in all honesty. But, I mean, just on the case of, you know, value investors having had a tough time for the last 10 years, it's interesting. We continue to see a trend of value managers losing their jobs or retiring um, or leaving and some sad cases because of medical reasons um, from, you know, doing the roles that there are now very few value options left for investors to invest in in markets. And it has been a ferociously difficult time for the last 10 years, as, as, as you rightly point out. Have there been pockets that you could exploit to try and take advantage if you are a value manager? In all honesty, they've been few and far between. I think going forwards, as I said to an answer to one of your earlier questions, I think that there will be um, pockets of outstanding value. Um, and the point you made around the vaccine is also key. You know, there will be some retail operations and things like some of the property companies that should do really well uh, in um, a vaccine-led recovery going forward. So, but is it a bit too, is it a bit too little, too late for retail? Possibly, but, uh, you know, I don't know about other people listening to this interview today, but I can't wait to have the opportunity to do something other than shop on Amazon, in all honesty. And um, I can't wait for the opportunity to see people in person rather than doing Zoom calls, which keep my attention for roughly about seven or eight minutes. So uh, I think that a lot of people assuming these trends are in place forever and there's nothing but blue sky ahead. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there will be pockets of opportunity for things like some of the retail companies and certain elements of bricks and mortar property companies to also recover in the, in the years ahead. I want us to look at your position as a wealth manager. Has, has the two vaccine announcements changed your position um, in terms of allocation to, to growth and sort of technology companies? No, because people who know about the way that I invest um, and have invested for the last 15, 16 years will know that I'm a coward uh, and I like to sit on as many fences as possible. So our portfolios have been unashamedly balanced with regards to the value versus growth dynamic. 
uh, and it's been about trying to find those value managers and growth managers who can outperform their specific um, uh, focuses for uh, attention in, in, in the equity markets. And they've done that with, you know, a, a good deal of success this year, some of which on the value side has been down to their regional selections uh, and um, making positive returns over the value index from, from doing that. But our portfolios remain pretty balanced in that regard. Um, certainly this year, it's been the growth managers which have done by far the better in terms of generating alpha over their respective indices. But I think looking forwards, you know, I'm itching for the opportunity um, to increase our clients' value exposure uh, because I think that will be one of the ways to generate outperformance over a standard peer group in the 10 years ahead. Do I think that opportunity set is immediately now? I I think there are still certain hurdles for us to get um, over before we can sound the all clear for value investing, not least the ongoing COVID-19 situation in the US, which has been an enigma from the early days of the COVID-19 situation. And you could look at it with the various statistics in front of you today and suggest that things are getting worse in the US rather than getting better. We have to clear hurdles like that before we can sound the all clear for value investing, I would suggest. In terms of value funds, are there any that you see as attractive or ones that perhaps you currently invest in? Well, they're becoming fewer and fewer, so it's easier to do the research and analysis upon them. But, you know, the key holding in our portfolios, which we've held now for the last seven years, has been the River Mercantile um, Global Recovery Fund. Uh, and that's been a position where we've upscaled and downscaled at various points in the last seven years. But broadly, the manager has achieved excellent returns on our clients' behalf. Now, clearly, the last couple of years have been more challenged, but the manager has still done a good job vis-a-vis the um, global value benchmark. That would be the key position in our portfolios um, going forwards with regards to a value bias. And in the emerging market space, uh, I think actually emerging market um, value equities could well be the best performing um, place for equity markets in the decades ahead. Some of those investments just look ludicrously cheap, um, even in a challenged economic environment going forwards. Uh, in our portfolios, we have a sizable weighting in the Pacific North of South um, Emerging Market Equity Fund, um, which I think could be an excellent place to make positive returns in a low growth environment going forwards. Good stuff. I um, wanted to look at monetary policy. I mean, if interest rates are pushed higher, um, how much of a tailwind would that be for value stocks? Well, I think it would be a tailwind for value stocks because I think that's been one of the excuses people have used um, to very much ride the growth train and um, avoid anything to do with value. Um, I'm not entirely sure that is going to be a driver realistically for markets in the next few years ahead. I mean, it took the Federal Reserve, let's not forget, seven years to put up interest rates after the great financial crisis. Uh, and they realised that was a bad move. Uh, and um, just as people expect them to keep on raising interest rates, as Jay Powell professed uh, in October 2018, uh, interest rates are about to start coming crashing down. So I think they've probably learned uh, that in a world of so much debt and so low growth, that putting up interest rates is a bad move. Uh, so I think that rising interest rates is unlikely, I would suggest, in the developed world going forwards. And that's not likely to be a driver behind value equities. But what could be is if we start to see market interest rates move up, so bond yields move higher, as we have done uh, in the last couple of months, and in fact have done in places like the UK really for the last um, five months or so, although the um, the, the, the um, The trend is not particularly pronounced, but we have seen um, bond yields in the UK, as an example, double in the last couple of months, um, albeit from 17 basis points up to 35 basis points as of today. But, you know, I think that could well be a trigger behind things like the banking sector, which would be very important for sentiment towards um, value investing generally. So 
official interest rates, no. Um, market interest rates and bond yields moving higher, I think more likely. And yes, as you rightly point out, that could well be a positive tailwind for value investing. Great stuff. Well, Tom, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Well, I'm delighted to speak to anyone and uh, obviously delighted to speak about value investing, uh, given the potential importance of it in the uh, next few years ahead. Schroders is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.